So for the sake of the podcast listeners, I'm going to go back, so just bear with me, okay? We tend to make excuses. We tend to pass the blame. We fail to see our failure as more than just a mistake. We can see the wrong of others overlooking the evil within. So, Lord, help us to contend our heart to confess and forsake our sin. For the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Filled with pride, we try to hide every simple part. But confession and repentance would be a healthy start to fix the problem of the heart. The heart is so deceitful. That's Jeremiah. The heart is so deceitful, so desperately wicked within. And just the time I think I'm fine, I deceive myself again. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So create in me a clean heart, Psalm 51. So create in me a clean heart, one that's faithful, pure, and true. Then search my heart and try me. Help me, Lord, to follow you. That's James chapter 4 in a nutshell. Now, we're going to move into the concept of prayer because one of the key reasons that prayer is not answered is sin in my heart. Psalm 66 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The man born blind said to the Pharisees, he said, God does not hear sinners. So we're going to come up with 13 reasons that prayer is not answered. Of course, that flies in the face of yes, no, and wait a while. But sometimes God just doesn't even listen. If any of you ask wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. No prayer in the first not in the first place. You have not because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's the NIV. Number one, lack of fellowship with God and his fellowship. John 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Well, I'm a Ford guy and I haven't asked for a Mercedes lately. But we're going to get to asking according to his will. He does not want me to have a Mercedes right now. Second, not seeking to please the Lord. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. We're going to tie this together with the concept of the friendship of the world. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, A Christian doesn't entangle himself with the things of the world, but does the things that please his commanding officer, which would be the Lord. If we're not going to please him, we shouldn't expect to ask him of anything. If I wanted to ask my boss for a raise, I know better to do that, but if I wanted to ask him, you think I'd ask him right after I messed up? No. I would ask him right after I did something good. So we're not getting our prayers answered because we're not pleasing him. Unconfessed sin. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. The prayers of the righteous. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Number four, the improper motives. We've talked about that because this is the launching verse that got us into this thing. Improper motives. Not asking in God's will. We just talked about that one. Don't know how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And it's not our Santa who art in heaven. 
By the way, for those that are in a small group, I think that the last few studies that we have will be on the concept of how to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And God, if your will could match mine, that would be great. Reasons prayers are not answered. Number seven, lack of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Wavering faith. And here we see from earlier on the double-minded man. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will be, receive anything from the Lord. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we're going to come back in chapter 4 to understand how to clean up, how to get away from being a double-minded man, a schizoid Christian. The Bible says, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Number nine, a lack of perseverance. You have heard many stories of a person saying things like, I've prayed for my mother for 20-some years and she finally received Jesus, something like that. Who's ever heard of that kind of a story? You hear that often, okay? Well, what happens if that guy quits after year 19? God might still honor those prayers. But he wants us to keep praying until we get a yes or a no or a wait a while. Take, for example, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He asked three times to have the thorn in his flesh removed. That does not mean I'm going to pray three times and quit. After the third time, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. In weakness, you'll find strength. Paul knew not to pray for that anymore. So, a lack of perseverance. Let us not become weary and well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Not listening to God's counsel. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hands, you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. King James says, I'll laugh at thy calamity, and mock at thy, just lost it, that's my dementia coming. Selfishness. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. We'll see that in chapter 5. Talks about uh, you can accumulate gold and at some point that gold's going to be cankered. Well, that's an interesting concept because gold doesn't rust. The question becomes, when does that gold become cankered? Got to come back for chapter 5. Pride, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I guess I have fixed in my brain for the rest of my life Congress on the steps of the Capitol after 9-11. They were all there, and it was all a God bless America. And now look where we've come in just 20 years. And it didn't take us the full 20 years either. Humble themselves first and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. All these phrases go back to the prior ten that we just went through. Stubbornness. Who's got a case of stubbornness in this room? I'll raise, I'll raise the double, okay? Uh, there's a man that comes to our Bible study, Tom. He has several of his vertebrae fused in his neck. And he makes sure that when he sits down, he faces the speaker. I say, well, you're the epitome of a stiff-necked people. <laughs> Stubbornness, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and stopped their ears. 
I can't hear you. We did that when we were kids, right? Talk to my hand. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. So, you've seen this slide before. I want to come down to this particular verse. We've worked our way through these. Friendship with the world is hatred with God. So, again, we've tied earlier chapters of James to the current chapter of James. We're going to go into chapter 2. And the Bible refers to Abraham as a friend of God. Now, what do you think some of the outcomes were of Abraham being a friend of God? First of all, he was visited. I, I, I believe that when those three men came, one of them was a, a theophany. It was Christ before he was incarnate. So he had a fellowship with God. And what happened when he went through that reverse auction? What reverse auction? I've been to Hills and they don't have reverse auctions. He was auctioning the, the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. If there were 50 people there, would you destroy the city? 40, 30, 20, 10? He not only had a fellowship with God, but God was answering his requests. He just didn't make the ultimate request. If there were, He stopped. If there were one... And I'm convinced that if he asked that question, if there were one, God would have found a different way. The Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Lot was taken out of that city before the fire and brimstone came down. I'm going to be taken out of this world before the tribulation hits. The Bible says that it is not appoint, God did not appoint his children to wrath. I'm going to be celebrating that lamb's, the, the feast with the lamb. Now, I found this translation confusing. Do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Now, what does that mean? I don't know, but look at this one. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to soon see Psalm 51, where, uh, in fact, I, I think I deleted that particular verse because I didn't want to get into this, but now I'm getting into it because of that. He says, Take not thy spirit from me. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit started on the day of Pentecost. And it ends at the rapture. Before the day of Pentecost, saved people, the Holy Spirit uh, allowed for them to be saved, but they didn't have an indwelling. After the, the, the rapture, people will be saved, but they will not have a dwelling. When Samson finally gave the truth and he said, cut off my hair, and Delilah said, the Philistines are upon you. The Bible says he wist not or did not know that the Spirit had departed from him. He did not lose his salvation, but he didn't have the Spirit. So I've got the Spirit, but does sometimes the Spirit not feel so welcome in my heart? 
The Bible says to quench not the spirit. The Bible says the spirit could be envious. Now, the spirit is not a force. You know, the force be with you. The spirit is not a force. The spirit is a person. And the spirit is many times codified as a dove. But we hear in John chapter 4 that God is spirit. Spirit, not bird. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But if I'm a friend of the world, am I really a close friend of God? Can I really have the fellowship that Abraham had? Can I really expect my prayers to be answered like Abraham's prayers were answered? So... I missed what he said. Didn't the spirit refer to the. He made his body, soul, and spirit. The spirit that dwells in us is the human spirit. I mean, that, to me, that makes sense. And the, do you think the scripture says it made the spirit dwells in us? That's my human spirit. So you, you're, you're up on this verse. I'm going to begin by saying I've got no clue what this okay. verse says. Do the Okay. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis says that that in, in my opinion is this should be a capital S, but that's just my opinion. Let us make man in our own image and likeness. God is a, tr a trinity, man is a trinity, body, soul and spirit. The Bible says and he breathed into him a living soul. There is a soul and a spirit. Sometimes the Bible confuses me because, in, like in the Thessalonians, it specifically calls out body, soul, and spirit. And sometimes the Bible just says body and soul. And sometimes it just says body and spirit. But the soul and the spirit are immortal. If you're saved... Your soul and spirit, this comes from Ecclesiastes, return to God who gave it. Now, return to God who gave it. But the book of Hebrews says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. A lost person, soul and spirit in hell. Now, what about the Trinity? Let me first finish that thought. The saved person soul and spirit in heaven. So what does that mean, either place? What does that mean, either place? The only hint we have, you know, we, Paul wrote, Ias has, has not seen, ear has not heard, but there are some hints. In Acts 14, he said, I once knew a man 14 years ago who was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. That tells me that he had some kind of spiritual body, some kind of encasing for his soul and spirit. Now, <clears throat> in Luke's gospel, when Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham and the rich man woke up in torment, what was the rich man's request? Water, yeah, but how was it to be delivered? He was supposed to say, could Lazarus take his... Spirit, his finger, and touch my tongue. Their bodies were six feet under. That's just a classical phrase. I don't know what happened to their bodies. Their bodies were six feet un under, but soul and spirit were 
paradise and hell. Okay. Never, you know. Well, I'm not a big fan of the translation Hades. Okay. okay. All right. So, I mean, he said that's his opinion. He qualified it as his Okay, opinion. now I'm giving you my opinion. Okay. I'm not a big fan of the word Hades. You know, if I say go to Hades, that doesn't have the same ring to it. Okay? And if somebody says, um, if you're lost, you're going to Hades, that throws you into the Greek mythology where it was, it's just not so bad. We're just kind of floating around. Hell has a totally different ring to it. You can do the Old Testament, look at Sheol, look at the New Testament, and look at uh, Hades or Gehenna. Now, the point that he was making was that Hades isn't the same thing. I'm going to come back to answering your question. Hades is not the same thing as the lake of fire. Death and Revelation, death and hell, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But guess what? That rich man in Luke didn't have to wait for the book of Revelation. He was already in torment in these flames. Now, my poor brain. To come back to the spirit question, he gave me a spirit the moment I was conceived. He gave me a Holy Spirit the moment I was saved. And so that's why that verse, I think, is confusing to me. I'm sorry. He wants that back. Okay, so there's a double meaning there. That makes perfect sense to me. Okay. I learned something today. Mark the calendar, right? <laughs> That's the fallback. How are we doing on time? Okay. So what's the answer? Grace is the answer. James 4. But he gives us more grace. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So how much grace is sufficient? More grace. That's why the scriptures say God opposes the proud but shows favor. It's the same word and why they translated it two different flavors. It's grace. God opposes the proud. We've talked about humility. We're going to come back there again. Shows grace to the humble. And where sin increased... Grace increased all the more. Now notice where that's positioned. But then in chapter 6, Paul asks the question, What? Shall we sin then that grace might abound? God forbid, or by no means, by no way. Humbling the haughty. We're going to come into this thing. If you want the grace, you got to be humble. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts, ye double-minded, clean up your act. Now, wash your hands is very different. Keep in mind, these are Hebrew believers that are the initial audience. And you remember the passage where Jesus and his disciples were going through the fields and they took the grain and they started eating it and then the Pharisees picked on them because they hadn't washed their hands? Their hands weren't dirty, they just weren't ceremonially clean. This is a very different word. This is the word cleanse. Alright? Cleanse. When I'm working outside, I don't use the hand soap that's in the, in the bathroom. 
I use the, the orange soap. I can't remember the brand name. It's got just a little bit of grit to it to clean me up, okay? I almost wash my hands by habit ceremonially after I'm done using the bathroom because I, I know how to behave myself. But when I'm outside and I use that orange stuff, it's because my hands are nasty. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. Clean up the act. How are we going to come close to God? Clean up the act. I came in yesterday and I was into all kinds of ugly stuff. And there was Caden. And he was, Caden's my grandson. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I often think of John 21 where Thomas said, unless I put my finger there and my fist there, I'm not going to believe. And then Jesus shows up one week later and he says, Thomas, I don't picture Thomas walking up and saying, is that a hologram or is that real? I picture Thomas hitting the deck. My Lord and my God. He humbled himself. And then I can picture Jesus saying, it's okay, Tom. We're still buddies. He humbled himself and God lifted him up. What about verse 9? I skipped verse 9 in here. Grieve, that's supposed to say, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. We'll talk a little bit about David. Now, David committed adultery. David caused Uriah to die. He committed murder. And when Nathan said, thou art the man, it hit the fan. Now, David knew all about this beforehand. And he was grieving about it beforehand. If you read all of Psalm 38, you'll see that. He says, even my friends don't come near me. His friends knew what was happening there. They knew that the, she was summoned. They knew all that stuff. It's just like if I've got a guilt inside of me, hope mom and dad don't find out. And then when they do, that's lifted to another level, right? And so Nathan said to David, thou art the man. And just like an earthly mom and dad, it, it hit him, I sinned against God. So let's look at Psalm 38. I am bowed down and brought very low. We're on this verse about mourning. You say the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Repentance is not, I blew up God, I'm sorry, let's go. It's not the way it works. And we're going to see Peter in a little bit. The Bible says, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Peter was sorry. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. Judas was sorry, and he went out and hanged himself. That was not a godly sorrow. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. If you read that whole psalm, you'll see that even his bones hurt him. Now we're going to jump into the upswing, okay? This is his repentance. And this is the pain that he was feeling. And come forgiveness, his prayer is, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He did not pray, Restore unto me your salvation. Because he was secure in his faith no matter what. 
Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. He went from the king to a scoundrel to someone who can teach. And you read all those psalms, most of them are by him. He's teaching us even today. Now we'll take David. I'm sorry, that will take Peter. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. Is that the end of Peter? No. He saw thousands saved. We just finished the book of Jonah in our small group. The Bible says there's much rejoicing in heaven over, the, over, over one sinner that repents. The city of Nineveh could have had upwards of a million people, and there's Jonah bummed out over it. Humble yourselves before the Lord. I'm sorry about the top end. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves, therefore. Now, these guys, they were together in Jerusalem, and I don't know if they compared notes, but the Holy Spirit dictated these things. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he will lift you up in due time. You read the book of Hebrews, and it talks about you know the great heroes of the faith. There's Abraham, James cited Rahab, and there's David. But then you go on, and it says, some were sawn asunder. They received in due time. Abraham received in due time. He was looking for a, a, a place that he never did receive. He was promised kids as many as the sands of the sea. He was promised that all of the nations will be blessed by his, by his progeny. But he hadn't seen it. Praise God if we can, we can be lifted up in this life. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know what the problem with that is, don't you? We go to the altar, whether it's that one or just anywhere, we lay down our cares, and I feel so good, and then I pick them up again. Read Pilgrim's Progress. An old Christian, he had that backpack full of all kinds of things. And you read episode after episode, he just keeps on picking up that backpack again. Chuck Swindoll says he reads Pilgrim's Progress once a year. I can't imagine. That's a lot of reading. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. This is all time back to James. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. This is Peter. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Now, I'm humbled when I read a verse like that. Because, you know, I might feel a little squeamish by saying, have a blessed day. People in China, if they step out of line, they're dead. The people in Afghanistan, if they've got the Bible on their phone, they're dead. The world is undergoing sufferings, but I praise God for my own sake, my own self. I'm blessed to be born into this slice of history and geography. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, 
you're double-minded. This verse right here encapsulates those 13 reasons of why prayer is not answered. And we're right up against time, so we're going to quit right here. John, one question. It is true to say that God does answer the prayer of unbelievers. Because the, there's, there's examples. There isn't the, prayer, the first prayer he answers is, God save me. Right. All right? The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. An unjust person could pray, God, please let it rain. My crops are failing. Well, it's raining because the next guy who's a righteous man prays. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The first prayer, in my opinion, the first prayer that God answers is, God save me. Yeah, but God answered the prayer of uh, one of the kings in, in Genesis when, when Abraham was going, when the king was going to take his sister. He answered, kind of answered his prayer there. You think that king might have been a saved man? It's possible. Okay. It doesn't tell. Okay, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if he answered that prayer, what about it? Could have been a saved king. Okay. It's the difference between the soul and the spirit. The soul is the part of me that feels. Now we're going to go in there and we're going to sing songs. And hopefully they're uplifting. Those are, that's a soul thing. The spirit of me is the part of me that thinks, okay? So I had some lyrics on that wall, okay? And some of those verses made me think. They talk to my spirit. That's the difference. One feels and one thinks. Oh, that makes sense. Thanks. Okay.